Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. Delighted to have you with me across the nation. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. Should you wish to be on the program, uh, happy to have you. Now, I I ah, I want to talk about something. It's not going to be for everybody, but I I it's it's kind of one of those things where y'all know it, it, me and impulse control. Sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't. There there are things that I wish to talk to you about. And I, I really, I, I think it's, it's important for some of you, it may be alienating, but my gosh, I just, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta deal with this one because it's cropping up more and more. I get asked all the time, what do I think about so-and-so? Many of those people that I get asked about, they are online sensations. And many of them, frankly, I think are grifters. Uh, I I had a a conversation last night about a a particular person and and the guy I was talking to really loves guy. I'm like, he's no, he's, he's not doing what he claims. He's making money off of conservatives who think he's doing what he claims. He's a grifter. His organization isn't putting points on the board. It's just wasting people's money on parties. It's, it's not good. Don't think he's a good person. Of course, this person was, I was talking to was just shocked and defensive. It was like, no, I, I, I understand you like the guy, but I think you're being played. I find more and more, particularly in the last eight years after Trump, a lot of conservatives are being fooled by people with bad motives or being lured into like people who really are not on their side. And we, on our side, have seemingly just absolutely lost our discernment. It it actually is kind of stunning to me how we, on our side, because of the woke issues, are embracing all sorts of people who flat out Uh, are not with us, but because they don't like wokes either, they seem to be with us. Bethel McGrew has a piece at World Magazine where I also am a columnist. In a world full of people diligently working to obscure what they actually think with polite euphemisms, it can be oddly refreshing to encounter someone who simply says the evil part out loud. It's not pleasant, but it's clarifying. Enter Richard Hananiah, whom Wikipedia describes as, quote, an American political researcher and right-wing political commentator, a bio so vague it could encompass everyone from from Ryan Anderson to Chris Rufo to Richard Spencer. For those unaware, Richard Spencer is literally a Nazi. Hananiah is well known as an opponent of wokeism and runs his own organization, the Center for the Study of Partisanship and Ideology. 
Hananiah made headlines this year when it was discovered he had published white supremacist material under an old pseudonym. Of course, this perfectly suited a leftist commentariat who would like to lump all right-wingers into one giant basket of deplorables. Meanwhile, Hananiah made a carefully calculated apology, though not everyone was convinced of his sincerity. His alleged reinvention as a small L liberal pointed up the irony that depending on the issue, Hananiah's conclusions can be indistinguishable from a leftist's even if he gets there by his own route. This is instructive to observe as part of a broader pattern where fringe right thought wraps around to meet the left on the other side of the dialectical horseshoe. More recently, exchanged sharp words with Andrew Walker sparked by a discourse around uh, surrogacy issue. Hananiah mocked the low IQ social conservatives who hold a traditional Christian position, then set up a series of bizarre straw men. Abortion should be banned so poor people can be forced to give birth, one tweet disingenuously summarized. In vitro fertilization and surrogacy should also be banned to prevent smart and successful people from reproducing. Do I have that right? The tweets display Hananiah's running obsession with status markers like IQ, wealth, and beauty, the alt-right path by which he shakes hands with leftists on abortion in general and selective abortion in particular. He railed against Texas Republicans who advocated for the disabled, unborn child of Kate Cox, wishing them good luck on winning elections. Two years ago, he anticipated with deep distaste a future where red states ban abortion, envisioning they might gain five times as many children with Down syndrome. Who would want a world like that? Hananiah perfectly illustrates what Louise Perry has called the repaganization of the West. In a cut flower society no longer rooted in Christian ethics, thinkers like him are perfectly placed to reseed it. Nominally, Christian virtues like compassion taken in isolation will inevitably serve the cruel and the powerful at the expense of the weak. From unwanted children to the terminally sick or suicidal, Hananiah's work helpfully makes that crystal clear as he couches his small L liberal appeal in nakedly pre-Christian language. His arguments for euthanasia cast a nostalgic look back at the Roman notion of patriotic suicide, which he believes can still resonate despite two millennia of Christian influence. As that influence wanes, he may not be wrong. Now more than ever, Christians must boldly point to the better path, as Rachel Roth Alheiser does in her article on the recent Texas case and her own experience mothering a disabled child. No, she instincts such a child does not threaten a mother's life. What it does threaten is our conception of what makes life good. What it does threaten is Richard Hananiah's conception of what makes life valuable, and not just Hananiah, but people like Ann Coulter. A former darling of the edgy right-wing punditry, she added her own voice to the chorus attacking social conservatives for their cruelty towards the Texas mother because, in her words, quote, trisomy 18 is not a condition that's compatible with life. In the end, the post-Christian rights virulent contempt for us and everyone we advocate for is a good sign. It means we are standing in the way of the West's repaganization. Now, larger issue here, taken out of that theological context, is there are a lot of people who hate uh, the wokes, and they are not on our side. It's good to have people who hate the wokes, and we should take them where we can get them, but you got to be careful about the alliances you're making out there in politics because a lot of these people don't share your values. I put up a tweet yesterday. It, it probably got more traction than I intended for it to get. But I, I said in this tweet, and I'll just read you exactly the words. Um, this is uh, heads down theological discourse. Um, 
I'll pull out of it, but I want you to read the tweet. Once you hear the tweet first, God continues to refine the church in America using the idol of politics against those who profess Christ and worship politics. He's driven out those who decide Christian character was a political loser. He's beginning to drive out those who think the sanctity of life is a loser. Christ demands Christians start losing the world so they can be reminded they gain eternity. They can and should be in politics, but their ways aren't the worldly ways. They can be firm in convictions and still love their neighbors, bold in faith, still be humble in relationships. A lot of people who professed Christ decided they'd rather embrace pagan behaviors, and now they've started losing. A lot of people are going to leave the church when they realize they have to act differently, serve differently, lead differently, walk differently. The church will become smaller, more refined, more committed. The pruning will make it stronger. In the last days, a lot of people will wander away from sound teaching for tickled ears and ephemeral winds that cost them eternity. Don't be tempted to win the world and lose your soul, and a lot of people are, y'all. Pull this away from the theological part of it, just to the practicality of living your life. There are a lot of people who say things that those of us on the right like in large part because we feel combative and cornered by a culture that we do not control. So when someone comes out and says things that we say and they say them boldly, we're like, oh my gosh, this guy, where did he come from? It must be one of us. It's like the Hollywood actors who come out and say something and you think, oh, I bet this guy's a closet conservative. Turns out, no, he just likes guns. Take your friends where you can find them, but a lot of these people aren't even our friends. It's like, for example, um, the number of media, you know, there are these left-wing groups that are being funded by anti-Israel causes, and they find someone who's Jewish to set it up, and they say, we're Jews against Israel. We think Israel needs a full-time ceasefire because we actually support the people of Palestine and hate the people of Israel, and we're Jewish, so you can't question us. And really, these people, oh, yeah, they're ethnically, but they, they've they've never read the Torah. They they don't celebrate any in the, in the holidays. They know nothing about it. They're just convenient. Or the number of people you get, the self-identified Christians the media puts up to condemn Christianity. Notice how rarely the media puts up someone who's Islamic who condemns Islam. But if you're a Christian who hates Christianity or a Jew who hates Judaism and Israel, by God, you get the media's prime time attention. But the same things happen on our side. You get someone who hates the wokes and their conservatives like, oh, he must be one of us. Let's put him on stage at CPAC. Turns out he's a commie. I've seen this for a while now. There are a couple of groups out there where people, they, they professed their conversion from socialism and progressivism to conservatism, and now suddenly their conservatism looks a whole lot like the socialism they left behind, but they're in favor of traditional values. At some point, it comes down to this. You either believe things or you don't. You believe things or you don't. There are a good number of you listening, and I mean this lovingly. I don't mean to offend you. But there are a good number of you listening right now, I'm willing to bet you don't actually have core beliefs other than you don't like the other side. And so you'll be led. 
You'll be led by someone. You'll conform your identity to that person. You will reflect that person's attributes. You will engage in the behaviors of that person. You will be led. You will be a follower. And as that person goes, you will go. Unmoored from underlying beliefs, principles, and ideals other than you don't like the other side. And you're going to wind up somewhere not good. And you're probably going to wander far from where you began your journey because you don't have core convictions other than you hate the other side. And what is the other side? It's what you are not. But what do you become? At some point, eventually, the people who go down this road, I see it time and time again, they wind up looking just like the other side, the mirror opposite of the other side, no longer defined by what they believe. They're defined by what the other side loves and hates. And if the one side loves it, you hate it. If the other side hates it, you love it. doesn't matter what the idea is. And in these groups of people who are following, not leading, who have no ideals, who just want to win, you begin to compromise yourself away. And when you compromise yourself away, ultimately, you compromise the values that the people of the coalition hold dear. We're seeing this happen with abortion now. The story in Texas of this mother who wanted an abortion, who left the state to get one, and all the people who were supposedly pro-life coming out and said, oh, we have to give up this issue because otherwise we're never going to live win an election again. Are you about winning elections or are you about defining yourself by the principles and issues of the day? If you're about the former, will you abandon everything so you can win? And ultimately, don't be surprised when you turn around and look and say, my God, what happened to the country? What happened to the country is you decided you wanted to win. You didn't care how you won. The other side, ground yourself in your convictions and lead people in those convictions. Be a leader, not a follower. Don't waver on your principles. I'm always amazed at the number of people who tell me I'm something that I'm not because I haven't changed in 20 years. I still believe today what I believed before Trump. There are too many people who are followers of the shiny objects. And you're going to follow people off a cliff. And you're going to ally yourself with people who one day when you wake up and the scales fall off your eyes and you realize, oh my gosh, I do believe in something. And you're surrounded with a bunch of people who don't believe that stuff. You will be in a minority that is persecuted by those you thought were your friends. Or you know what? Find your convictions now. All of the people I hear all the time who say, how did we get this way? There are no good people running for office. This is just terrible. Well, the same people who used to tell me character counts and then suddenly decided character didn't, and now they're upset about the character of the day. Surprise! You voted for it. Howdy, welcome. So y'all remember the story about the uh, White House interns. They sent the letter to Joe Biden pressuring him to for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. There were lots of people who mocked the staffers. <laughs> Turns out it originated in a White House intern group chat, and it appears that someone infiltrated the chat and stirred them up. According to screenshots reviewed by the West Wing Playbook of Politico, a user named Tara Nagarajan mysteriously popped in to the White House intern group me chat the Sunday before the letter became public. Hi, all. As the, as the genocide of Palestinians continues, there's a public letter for White House interns to sign anonymously for those who stand with Palestine, Nagarajan wrote, along with a link to the letter on a Google form. 
She said the interns had until 6 p.m. the following day to sign by noting the offices that they worked in, but assured everyone no actual names or emails would be collected or revealed. There's no evidence suggesting that Nagarajan orchestrated the letter, nor has anyone cast doubt that a sizable number of White House interns feel distraught about the president's handling of the conflict. But still, no one could figure out who this person was or how she got access to the intern chat. After she sent out the message, she left the group. The White House doesn't run the intern group me, which serves as an informal way for the 150 20-somethings to stay in touch throughout the course of their program. So understandably, some interns were weirded out by the situation and flagged the request to supervisors. Some who did not want to be associated with the letter's content said they were uncomfortable with the way they were approached. As Nagarajan's name started to circulate around campus, White House staffers combed through social media profiles to figure out who she was. West Wing Playbook attempted to get in touch with Nagarajan. Other calls, emails, and texts were unanswered. The same intern, one of the roughly 40 who signed the letter, said that Nagarajan's influence shouldn't undercut the message. I'm sorry, but it appears that an anonymous, maybe false person, maybe of some partisan or international persuasion, decided to influence White House interns to denounce the president. That should be a big red flag for all of us. Now, a big red flag for you this holiday season is maybe you're having trouble. I want to give you a real-world example here, y'all, a vision computer support. My son is having, um, uh, what is it, the, the Microsoft, what is it, OneDrive or whatever problems, and he's got to save stuff at school, and he's got to get stuff at home, and the stuff wasn't sinking. Y'all, he called vision computer, and they fixed it for him. I couldn't figure I tried to figure out vision computers saved the day. They do this with their customers. They can do it for you. They can build you a laptop or a desktop PC. And then if you've got problems, you can call them quicker than a Google search. They give the answer. And in this case, we were trying to figure out why stuff wasn't syncing. They figured it out. Saved the day. He has a term paper due, and, and they, they saved his day. They can save your kid's day, your day, your office's day. They can do this for your whole office. You go to visioncomputers.com, visioncomputers.com, or you call them 404-COMPUTE, 404-COMPUTE. Tell them I sent you. They give you a great deal. They can build your PC, laptop, or desktop. Then they can be your personal service department, visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. Call them today. Greetings, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, happy to have you. As always, text Eric to 33777. I I, I y'all, I'm I abhor doing this. I I oh, I, I I hate hate it, but I it's the shameless shameless self-promotion nonsense you got to do these days. If you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, subscribe to the podcast, please. Oh, I, 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 want you, I don't want you to listen to it. <laughs> I want you to listen to your local radio station. But it's just, it, it's like I'm trying to grow like the radio show, and I'm getting asked how many people subscribe to your podcast, as if, no, you shouldn't want that. You should want people to listen to your radio station, but they want to know, if people will listen to the radio station by virtue of how many people listen to the podcast, so I need you all to subscribe to the podcast to boost the number. It's ridiculous, but please help. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. It's a weird business, y'all. It's just weird. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to talk about this now. Uh, <laughs> I I want to I want to I want to do this. I want to talk about two separate stories that are actually intimately related. Some of you will get furious. Here is your first story from Politico. Kamala Harris pushes White House to be more sympathetic toward Palestinians. She's been telling colleagues in the administration that she wants the White House to show more concern publicly for the humanitarian damage in Gaza, where Israel is locked into a bloody and prolonged battle with Hamas. According to three people familiar with her comments, President Biden is among the officials Harris has urged to show more sensitivity to Palestinian civilians. In internal conversations about the war in Gaza, Harris has argued that it is time to start making day-after plans for how to handle the wreckage of the war once the fighting ends. One person close to the vice president's office says she believes the United States should be tougher on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. She has called for being more forceful at seeking a long-term peace and a two-state solution. Let me read you a completely unrelated story that is actually exactly related. German police today arrested three suspected members of Hamas in Berlin accused of preparing an attack against Jewish targets in Europe. The three men, along with another suspect arrested in the Netherlands, were said to have begun preparing a weapons cache in the German capital where arms would be kept in a state of readiness in view of potential terrorist attacks against Jewish institutions in Europe, German federal prosecutor said in a statement. News of these arrests came just after Danish authorities said they too had prevented a terror attack, arresting three more suspects. Danish police refused to comment on whether there was any link between the arrests reported in Denmark and Germany. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, meanwhile, in a statement that Danish security forces had thwarted an attack, the goal of which was to kill innocent civilians on European soil. The Hamas terrorist organization has been working relentlessly and exhaustively to expand its lethal operations to Europe, thereby contribute constitute a threat to the domestic security of the countries, Netanyahu said. Seemingly unrelated stories, except the problem is... Um, how do you distinguish in Gaza and the Palestinians? Because a whole lot of them support Hamas. A great many of them support Hamas. They are supporting the terrorist organization. They are supporting terrorists. They are supporting their governmental leadership, and that's what Hamas actually is. And Kamala Harris comes out at the time Hamas plans terror attacks in Europe to tell us we need to be a little more sympathetic to the Palestinian people. Y'all, I feel profoundly sorry for the Palestinian people. I feel profoundly sorry. They are in a terrible situation and they are they're not beloved by other Middle Eastern governments. This is a a dirty little secret that isn't too secret anymore that people don't understand is that the Egyptians, the Syrians, the Jordanians, the Saudis, the Emiratis, uh, none of them really like the Bahrainians, the Qataris. They don't like the Palestinians. They've always seen them as something less than. 
a group of tribal people who just happen to live in Gaza, they don't like them. They're not supportive of them. They're useful to them because these countries can stir sentiment against the Israelis, so the sentiment isn't focused on home dictators, but they're not beloved. And many of the people of Gaza do support Hamas. So you want to prepare for a day after the war, Kamala Harris, you're preparing for another terrorist-filled governmental regime that tries to kill Jews around the world. Unless you shut up and annihilate Hamas. Whatever the collateral damage is, you can rebuild. My God, we're a country that dropped two nuclear weapons on Japan and then rebuilt that country. We can rebuild the country. And for all those people say, oh, you're just festering. You're going to do another generation of people who hate the Jews. Really? Japan's a pretty good ally of ours after we nuked them. There are ways to do it. There are ways to help rebuild. There are ways to solidify a government there, but you've got to wipe out Hamas. I am convinced, convinced, convinced that if Hamas could and probably is thinking about and trying to plan a terror attack in this country, probably trying to get away with it, probably trying to come up with something, (sighs) these are dangerous times. And when you have the vice president of the United States trying to take the side of progressives, trying to say, hey, I'm one of you guys, I I love the Palestinians, at a time that there's terrorist talk in Europe, they're rounding up members of Hamas trying to kill Jews, doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not a wise thing. And there's all the other calamity around the world happening too, including the situation with Ukraine. There's breaking news happening right now. According to Reuters, European Union leaders agreed on Thursday to open membership talks with Ukraine, something Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban for weeks has vowed to block. There was no immediate comment from Hungary after the chairman of the summit, European Council President Charles Mikel, said the European Union has decided to open accession negotiations with Ukraine and Moldova. He went on to say the summit granted EU candidate status to Georgia and would also advance an EU bid to another hopeful Bosnia once it reached the necessary degree of compliance with criteria. This is a victory for Ukraine, a victory for all of Europe, a victory that motivates, inspires, and strengthens, said Volodymyr Zelensky earlier in the day. As the 27 EU leaders gathered for their last summit of the year, Viktor Orban insisted the EU should not start membership talks with Ukraine. He was the lone holdout at the summit, taking place at a critical time for Kyiv. It's a pretty big deal. This could, of course, prompt the Russians to attack. But in all honesty, we look at what happened to the Russians in Ukraine, and we're starting to think you guys weren't as spectacular as we thought you were. The Russians are not as competent or capable as we presumed them to be. And because they're not as competent or capable, there's less fear. At the same time, 
You got Russian hackers who are pretty good with Chinese hackers trying to destabilize this country. And they're all on the side of Hamas, by the way. You know, China's been very, very quiet about what happened in Israel. China's been very, very quiet and not certainly helpful on the issue because China doesn't like Israel. China would be giving loans to Hamas and in the Palestinian territory if they could. If they can make it work, they will. And Kamala Harris, yet again, on the wrong side of it all. Kamala Harris is trying to begin solidifying her progressive ties because she needs to lock down that wing of the party to support her if they decide to walk away from Joe Biden. She has finally decided she's got a new comms team. She's brought in Brian Fallon, who worked for um, Harry Reid and worked for Chuck Schumer and worked for progressive interest groups and worked for Barack Obama. He's come in to take over And he is going to try to lock her down with progressives if Biden decides to exit at the convention. But to do that, she is realizing that the Israel-Palestinian situation is dividing the Democratic Party, and she wants to be on the side of the terrorists. Of course, Kamala Harris wants to be on the side of the terrorists. And she's going to saber rattle in the White House on behalf of the Palestinian people, not because she really cares about them, but because she she cares about her distinct future and solidifying the progressives against Gavin Newsom, she thinks is something she's got to do. And the irony is she begins to do it at a time that Hamas is beginning to plot terror attacks around the world, probably even in this country. And the majority of those Palestinians she cares about support it, support Hamas and support killing of Jews. Ironically, if Kamala Harris is able to get her star to finally rise after reboot number 2000, she could alienate Jewish Democratic voters from the Democratic Party and drive them into the hands of Republicans, just as the Democrats are driving black and Hispanic voters into the hands of the 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 Republican Party. By going woke progressive, standing with the progressive whites in favor of the terrorists, Kamala Harris hurts the Democratic Party, which is a good thing for the rest of us. This woman has the political instincts of dead tuna. And that's a good thing for the rest of our rest of us. The woman just has no deep thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. still one of the best things Charlie has ever put together for me. (laughs) Y'all, I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile. They are fighting against the wokes at the school board level. They are helping conservative parents run for office. They help fund their campaigns, and they fund their campaigns by you moving your business to Patriot Mobile. How does that work? Well, you move your business to Patriot Mobile, they grow their profits. As they grow their profits, they grow their giving to the conservative causes you care about. All you have to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash eric today. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You move your cell phone service to them. In exchange, you get guaranteed great service using the same cell towers you're probably already using. 
and you get great discounts. You're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, so much more. You can even keep your existing phone number. If you want to keep your phone number, Patriot Mobile can make it happen. If you want a brand new phone number, they can make that happen as well. You want to just add a line with Patriot Mobile, you can do that too. You can get a new phone or use an unlocked phone with Patriot Mobile. They make it as easy as possible. If you don't want to do it online at patriotmobile.com slash Eric, you can give them a call. You call them at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. And as you grow their profits, they grow their giving to the conservative causes you care about. It's a great way to compound the effect of your giving to the conservative movement just by doing business with a company that shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Well, it appears that uh, while the House wants to go on and go home, the Senate is trying to get a deal on the border in Ukraine done. They were going to go home and now are saying they're going to come back Monday for some votes. They're trying to um, find a way to give Republicans what they want to secure the border and also fund Ukraine. There is growing evidence that Senate Republicans and Democrats despite publicly saying deal was off and they're not talking to each other, have actually been behind the scenes quietly talking to each other, uh, trying to avoid media scrutiny over whatever it is. I don't know what the parameter of the of the deal is. Uh, I, I don't know what they will ultimately come up with. I don't know that they're even going to be able to find a way to get it done. But for certain what's going on is they want to they fund the border and they want to fund Ukraine and Israel together, and they want to tie it into a single piece of legislation. The reason they want to tie it into a single piece of legislation in the Senate is because they're not convinced House Republicans won't kill the Ukraine and Israel funding and then pass the border stuff. So they're trying to do a comprehensive agreement on the Senate side while talking to the House. Uh, That's the dynamics right now, so they're going to go home. They're going to try to wrap this up. Lindsey Graham has said... He's planning on going home and not coming back, that uh, there is going to be no deal. They don't have time for a deal, but that uh, Ukraine's not going to fall in the next two weeks, and so it'll be fine. He wants to fund it, but he doesn't want to sit around in Washington before Christmas trying to do this. Now, everybody, you got to understand, everybody is doing whatever they can to get a deal cut as quickly as possible, in large part because they don't want to stick around. They want to go home for Christmas. They are supposed to go home this weekend, but by the Senate coming back next week, uh, the Speaker may drag the Republicans um, back as well. Uh, we'll see the underlying dynamics there. Now, when we come back, there's actually really good economic news, and, and we should spend a little bit of time on the underlying good economic news. The problem is that the underlying economic news that is good is built on a foundation of horror for the middle class. And you need to understand what's happening here because as a lot of economists are suddenly saying, we may get out of this without a recession, there are lots of warning signs about a recession. The Federal Reserve decided not to raise rates, suggested that cuts might be coming soon, and the stock market is racing. As of right now, the Dow and the NASDAQ and SB have just dipped into negative territory, but only down one point. For the Dow, um, it had been up over 100-some-odd points, and um, people are taking money out of the market right now. The Federal Reserve propping up the economy. People are hoping we can reach new stock market records. But there are 
all sorts of underlying warning signs, y'all. All sorts of underlying warning signs. Underneath, everything looks good. It's like a house where the wall mildew and mold are growing and termites are eating, but the house looks great. I want to explain this to you, break down the data for you, so you understand what's happening when we come back. First, I got to tell you, Omaha Steaks is where you want to go this holiday season. If you're looking for steaks, you're looking for caramel apple tartlets, you're looking for ready-made sides and desserts, main courses, you're looking for great seafood, Omaha Steaks has it all in it. Check out if you load up your cart, you put Eric in as your promo code at checkout, and you get an extra $30 off at omahasteaks.com. Omahasteaks.com. You get 50% off site-wide right now, and then 30 extra dollars at checkout with promo code ERIC. Minimum order applies. You get 100% satisfaction guarantee, great customer service. Show Omaha Steaks has been around for over 100 years. How many businesses do you do business with that have been around for more than 100 years? They started in 1917, serving meals to people on the railroad coming through Omaha. Then they started the mail order business, and they branched out. They took advantage of the Internet. They keep people coming back to them with their customer service and the quality of the food that you get. At checkout, if you put in Eric as your promo code, you get an extra $30 off. It's omahasteaks.com, omahasteaks.com. At checkout, you'll see a promo code box. You put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, get $30 off. Already incredible savings site-wide right now. They've got their 50% off sale going on just in time for Christmas. omahasteaks.com. 